0: For a, for, a for a good time, for a good time.
1: Call us. Floggers, corsets, spanking—all this and more on today's "For a Good Time" as we discuss ecstasy in Berlin, 1926. I'm one of
0: your hosts, Isabel Arf, and I'm Juan Barquin, your other host. I like that. Spice you put on. Thank maybe. you, I try. It's, you gotta keep it a little.
1: Exciting. As a white person, I can't do that. My mouth oh, that doesn't game. make those sounds.
0: Hola. <laughs> Gracias <laughs> por llamar. Uh, Jesus Christ. For a good time, um I'm gonna get canceled for being like. For being, you're gonna cancel I for being racist, racist towards yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh- <laughs> and today
1: we watched Ecstasy in Berlin, 1926, directed by Maria Beatty uh, released in 2004. This is our first movie we're doing for the podcast, and I feel it's very apt for what we're end up, we're going to end up doing for most of this podcast. Uh, this is actually the first time I watched it as well. I
0: recommended this to you blind. Which I'm actually really glad you did, because I think it is kind of a perfect starting point for us. Yeah,
1: and I've seen uh, some of Maria, Beatty, Maria Beatty's other films. Uh, the one that particular stuck out to me was Let the Punishment Fit the Child. It's a film I liked but it was also a little overbearing in it's gothic imagery. It's very like first year symbology, uh, first year film mm-hmm. student symbolism, uh, kind of Donnie Darko-esque in a sad way. <laughs> um, but <laughs> there was a real control over her camera and her editing in the scenes that were actually between two women in that film. And this mm-hmm. one, just kind of scrubbing through it, it looked up my alley and looked up Juan's alley. So I decided, hey, let's go for it. And I ended up fucking loving this movie uh and i have so much to say about it but i want to let you start and
0: talk about how like
1: how did you experience this movie
0: um oh god
1: I have or should so we say, to say what it is it first too. i guess
0: yeah i guess i mean do you want to give like a quick little rundown of what the plot is sure uh the plot is it's uh berlin
1: 1926 in the uh, weimar republic i'm very happy that i said that correctly on my porn podcast and not my actual podcast <laughs> or not my like not my fancy IMDb podcast where I talk about philosophy. Um, <laughs> so it takes place in Berlin in, in uh, during the Weimar Republic. And it, it is a series of scenes, three, three major scenes, I guess I'd say, uh, mm-hmm. between two women. Uh, one of whom is dominant, one of whom is submissive. Although that gets shifted around a little bit in the movie, especially in one really interesting sequence we'll get to in the middle. Mm-hmm. But uh, essentially just them... Going through their fantasies and going through their actions as a uh, as a dominant and submissive pair. And in the very beginning, we see the submissive woman uh, inserts a needle into her leg uh, and injects some kind of drug. We have no idea what it is. And then we see a close up on her pussy, and then we go into the action. And that's kind of the rest of the movie,
0: Yeah, it's basically split up into like those three big scenes, plus some other ones. Um, and it yes. stars uh, Sonia Sovereign. And Paula Rosengarthen, Yes. Um, And it is composed, which like, uh, so the film is actually a silent film. And it's sort of mirroring like what kind of film would have been made in 1926, Mm -hmm. obviously. And it's composed, the music is composed by Nick Holmes and performed by the New York Free Jazz Ensemble. And it really just like... Like, it's one of the stars of the movie for me, (laughs) and I hate saying those things, but, like, it it really is just, like, magnificently composed.
1: Yeah, and, like, evocative, incredibly evocative as well, especially there's a part later on in the film where it goes from more tonal music, which it is in the beginning, it's a little more tonal, a little bit more structured, into very Mm -hmm. abstract, atonal uh, music, especially, like, as the sequences get more dreamy and get um, get more abstract themselves, where you see more layering of the films, you see more... Uh, cross-cutting and dissolves and uh, double exposures and sometimes triple and quadruple exposures going Mm -hmm. on and the music itself follows that and I'd love like you mentioned that it's shot like a film back then would be I love its use of silent film kind of tropes like the use of vignettes around people's faces
0: yes it's gorgeously done and even not just the vignettes but like it'll play with it it's interesting to see how it mixes both silent filmmaking of the era with a lot of modernistic filmmaking like it reminded me a lot of like guy madden which like is yeah or, like, uh, that
1: was uh, i think we said the same thing in our uh review on letterboxes like total guy madden guy madden wishes he made this
0: yeah 100 percent. and it also made me think of um bertrand Mandico, who like is clearly also inspired by guy madden and who did the wild boys a couple of years ago and it's just like this idea of like creating this gorgeous fantasy realm out of pieces that already exist in history but haven't been ex- like haven't been used to showcase this kind of exciting queer story yeah especially like
1: there's some elements of it that are clearly displaced from a different era yeah. like the fact that i mean the fact that uh our main actress has a pierced um i think clitoral hood is what is pierced on her but some- mm-hmm. something pierced down there uh, is obviously would be very unusual for that time period And then something that I really enjoyed about the middle part, because in the middle, uh, the submissive character kind of falls into a reverie on a couch, and we see her on the bottom of the screen, and on top of the screen, we see kind of her imaginings, Uh, and her imaginings are in the style of like an Irving Claw film. It is so unique and fascinating. And even though Irving Claw films, like, were often between women, the fact that this is actually directed by a woman is very clear, and the fact that these are both women who like women is also very clear, and Mm -hmm. feels so much more natural and authentic, even in its, like, clear, purposeful artificiality.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things, and I know this is going to be, like, a completely nonsensical (laughs) um, parallel, but it was... So interesting watching the way the submissive woman was fantasizing about like what's up on the screen and just even though she was pretty much just naturally laying around reading book like fantasizing there's something so compelling to seeing her just exist and get to indulge in these fantasies that something that it reminded me of was actually uh, Tom Ford's Nocturnal Animals. In that there's like a large sequence of that film or like multiple sequences of that film are just Amy Adams sitting there like reading a script and fantasizing and creating these images in her head. And none of it was even remotely as exciting as evocative as it was in this movie.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think like that's the key idea of that middle part is the idea that the way that she's conceptualizing of herself in this relationship kind of mediated through other images like, it's clear that this yeah. is not just a natural fantasy. This is the fantasy you come up with through seeing other people engage in this. Through seeing pornography of this exact same kind of sexuality. And kind of inserting herself into that and finding herself in her own sexuality through that was so fascinating. And it's really reflected the way that I personally have found really interesting things about myself through viewing pornography and like through conceptualizing myself in those roles. I think that's something a lot of people do when they start out, especially when they haven't had sex before. They're like, well, what is sex like? Well, Mm -hmm. I've seen porn. I've seen also, I've seen mainstream movies that have sex in them. So maybe that's what it looks like. And what's what it looks like from the outside. And then the way that that is so different when you get into the actual, like less dreamlike scenes, well, they're still dreamlike, but they're less obviously artificial and less obviously playing with that kind of, retro Irving Claw kind of style and you see them they become far more direct and also far more real in a kink sense because during the kind of fantasies of this woman we see uh like let's say a a relatively normies person idea of kink uh not not that that's negative necessarily I think there's interesting things about that depiction but then we move to a later scene uh, where her mistress is back in control and it becomes far more real there's like i could actually see welts on her back from the single tail that she was getting whipped with like it wasn't super hard like it wasn't clearly it wasn't she wasn't cracking the whip but you could see mm-hmm. the welts go developing on her back which is far more than even stuff like um kink.com nowadays does really? it, it reminded me funny enough of a site um i don't know if you're familiar with called insects
0: i've heard of it yes
1: uh, so, Insects was a site that was kind of kink before kink and Shanta's Bitches before Shanta's Bitches. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. out – like, two people in the audience know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, <laughs> it was far more, like, hardcore and, like, real about kink. And we're going to watch a movie from it at some point because uh, mm-hmm. it's a fascinating site uh, that has a lot of problematic aspects to it, let's say. <laughs> but um, this film, from my own experiences, in the same realm, which I'm very familiar with – Uh, And it's kind of like the main form of sexuality that I engage in. It felt really authentic. Like you could tell when she was using the flogger in the first bit, uh, the mistress, she knew how to use a flogger. You can tell from the way that she threw it. You can tell from the way that she spun it, that she knew what she was doing. And she was purposefully trying not to make too much of an impact because they were shooting a movie and she needed to continue the scene. Mm -hmm. But she was someone that the handling of that feels so much more authentic than watching Even people in, like, mainstream porn films try to handle similar situations.
0: See, that's so interesting to me, because, like, I sexually don't have that much experience with, like, BDSM acts. And it's, I mean, like, the most I've had is, like, I've been tied up and stuff. So, like, there's some familiarity, but not really anything, because all I've seen is just images of this stuff happening. So it's nice to get this, I guess, confirmation of, like, what is and isn't actually realistic or not and i do think a lot of what i love about this movie is how dreamlike it feels throughout and i mean it's part of the kind of like plot of it is you know this woman injects herself and has these fantasies and dreams and there is a line between what is real and what has happened to her in her own like pleasures versus what is just like her fantasies um and i think like What, like, Maria Beatty does so fucking well is just, like, there's an abundance of crossfades between individual shots that are just so, so gorgeously composed, and it really emphasizes the sort of dreamscape that you're existing within, but it's also just really playful overall for a porn film, Mm -hmm. like... Like, you have, like, in one of the later scenes that's short, you have this sort of, like, contrasting of an hourglass, like, strictly, like, in focus in front of the thing, while she, like, the submissive character is literally having, like, a corset being put on her and, like, fastened and just shaping herself into the hourglass figure. And I just think that's so interesting to see all of these ways that she's, like... I hate saying like being artsy, but also being really playful and erotic. And those things can just exist at once.
1: Yeah. Cause I think like there's a way to do a similar kind of film that is quote unquote artsy, but is a little more self-serious. That doesn't, mo- yeah. Serious. Uh, and I think like something like, like Manos Destra that we've both seen. Yeah. Uh, which I, I adore is a interesting parallel to this because that has a little bit more weight to it and feels a little more, Abstract, and you can even tell from the soundtrack, which is a lot more grinding, a lot louder, a lot more raucous. Mm-hmm. uh And it doesn't—it's not so much a dreamscape as it is an abstracted kind of piecemeal version of a certain kind of relationship and a certain kind of play. Whereas this feels like a game, like it's fun, while yes. not devaluing the acts themselves and not acting like they are to be mocked or to be seen as lesser than other acts. uh And when you talk yeah, about absolutely. those crossfades, I. One of the things I loved about this film is all the close ups and the way she will crossfade between different close ups and between close ups and uh, wider shots. And even though it feels very dreamlike, there's a sense of texture and texturality, especially uh, the way that she shoots leather and the way she shoots skin and -hmm. the way she shoots rope are all just so very tactile. Like, I could, like, when the way that she shoots the leather boots that uh, the sub uh, licks at one point, I could, like, feel that leather in my hand. It felt so
0: real. Well, it's... See, like, you brought up her licking the boots, and it's... The way she shoots tongues as well was just so beautiful. There's a lot of close-ups of just, like, two women kissing, or, like, a tongue, like, rolling across a neck or a boot, and it's just... It's very raw without feeling... Like, it's manufactured, but it's raw. Yeah, like, it doesn't let the the clearly staged nature of it
1: get yeah. in the way of the feeling
0: yeah as theatrical as it is it still feels like an actual interesting erotic and seductive movie like it's super choreographed it's you know it's very intentionally staged but that doesn't take away from the level of intimacy that it gives
1: and i feel like at a certain point uh this is going to be a recurring theme when we discuss. Pornography in general, because it's a very common theme in pornography. Like, how real is this quote unquote? Like, are like, the classic thing is like, is this woman who's in pornography faking? Uh, is like the kind of classic question. And I think we're going to come back to it pretty often because it's really an interesting question, especially not for the next episode, but the one after. I have a suggestion that we're going to watch a lesbian gonzo porno. And, (laughs) uh, one of the really interesting questions about gonzo porn and about a lot of modern porn is that question of reality. And especially the one I'm choosing has a, interview segment in the beginning as an integral part of the narrative, and it's very difficult to tell how much of the interview section is staged and how much of it is actually what was just naturally happening. So I'm really interested in how this question is going to reoccur as we keep doing these things, especially when we talk about uh the Barbara Hammer film that we're gonna talk about next week.
0: Yeah, and I do think like exploring performance is just so integral to pornography, because like even in like, amateur stuff. Like, you'll get, like, you know, those handheld videos of, like, somebody with an iPhone just, like, diving deep into someone's asshole. It's, like, that's mm-hmm. still... You are always performing. There's no instance where you aren't technically unless you aren't aware that there's a camera. In which case, that leads to a whole nother conversation.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, even when there's not a camera, like, I still perform in a sense when I have sex. Yeah. Not, not in a negative way. And I think that performance in that sense has been too often just assumed to be negative like that's a bad thing
0: i know it's a it's an excellent thing
1: it's an excellent thing it's something that you're engaging in a role like we're going to get into my kinks at some point in this podcast i'm sure but (laughs) i engage in quite a few that involve complex role play involve Mm -hmm. complex mental states that involve performance and require performance and require a suspension of disbelief and i think that there's a difference between getting your ideas of yourself from like i here's the kind of the classic argument of like anti-porn feminism is that pornography shows women a view of themselves that is unrealistic and they can't actually attain and that's not really sex and they force themselves to engage in that role even if they don't want to do it essentially creating i mean the most extreme versions uh of the second wave or i guess it'd be more like third wave radical feminism is the idea that like all heterosexual sex is sexual assault and i think there's interesting things in that theory i don't think it's correct but i think it is something we're going to come up quite a bit as we talk about this and this idea of performance in oneself and Mm -hmm. the performance developed through pornography and the way we view ourselves through pornography but i think there's also movies like this uh ecstasy in berlin that show that performance as something that can be liberating something that can be generally freeing and allowing oneself to depart from societal norms and societal expectations
0: yeah i would agree and i think it's really interesting i mean what you were saying before with the with the split screen sequence of this idea of like how she's imagining herself and it's i mean based on past experiences and it like it can be empowering to a certain extent to see yourself in a sexual mode like i mean it just in in my own experiences over the years, like I've had like a number of body issues, which like, I'm sure we'll get into at some point or another, but like over the years, the more I've sort of seen myself and placed myself into sexual situations that I have enjoyed and that I can find, like I can see myself in through other people's eyes and see how attractive I can be. And like, etc. etc. Like it, it is an empowering thing. Like images, it's like, I hate coming back to the idea of like representation is empowering, but like to an extent it can really be.
1: Yeah. It's not the kind of thing we should say, Hey, representation is empowering the end because I think it's far more complicated than that. Oh yeah, it is. And we're going to get into that <laughs> <Yes>. a lot. <laughs> um, But um, in a similar sense, like I also have lots of body issues um, and images, uh, self image issues. And the, one of the things mm-hmm. like the thing that kind of, is moving forward in that conversation with myself has been funny enough, like going to um, group sex parties or going to dungeons and seeing myself viewed as attractive by other people and then presenting myself as a sexual being in that way that is positively reinforced and like kind of viewing myself through that imagery allows me to free myself and to begin to repair some negative body image issues that I have. So, uh oh, oh the one thing that i did want to talk about that i didn't is still my notes that i didn't really get to is yeah, of course <laughs> uh, sorry i'm really glad we just only did one movie this episode because holy shit we're talking a lot about this movie
0: i know but like i think that's a good thing <laughs> yeah i agree so
1: uh the other thing that was in my notes that uh kind of really brought up to me was this idea of drug use uh that the film so obviously evokes like it was this both the druggy feel and the obvious drug use in the beginning was mm-hmm. the idea of subspace um are you aware of what subspace is one
0: um, I feel like I have a vague idea, um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure, so I'm just gonna toss it out there and say like I feel like it's like this sort of like like a state of like enlightenment when you're engaging in like 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 bondage and pain play and stuff like that, or I mean that's a pretty good way to put it, honestly. Okay. Um, you're not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not crazy. Yeah. No, you're not crazy. Uh, different people have defined it in different ways,
1: and there's it's very particular to the person. But essentially, it's an altered state of consciousness that you can develop through submissive activities um, in mm-hmm. uh, bondage. Uh, the easiest way, at least in my opinion, to uh, get there is uh, through pain, uh, mm-hmm. like intense enough pain sensations. The constant rushing of endorphins eventually essentially leaves you high. Like there's a reason that um, uh, after an intense scene people need to take like a half hour before they can drive home. Bec- and that's why most dungeons uh, most dungeons like will shut down all play a half hour before they actually close close just to make sure people have time oh, wow. to like let things wear off and to deal with them.
0: That's impressive.
1: Yeah. Uh, because beca- because it is like literally like this altered druggy kind of state and it, will, it can last for a long time. And mm-hmm. when you're in that state, everything gets very, or at least this is my experience. I shouldn't be universalizing things. This is my experience of the state. Um, is that things can get very swimmy, can be very distant, like sounds kind of Mm -hmm. um, feel like you're underwater almost. Uh, And you get this very euphoric slash, uh, for me, it's a euphoric feeling and a feeling of selflessness uh, Mm -hmm. in the like very philosophical sense, like the feeling of the ego death, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the best moments of this film use the drugginess as a metaphor for that kind of swimmy headspace and that ability to kind of take what's coming in a very different way than you usually couldn't if you weren't warmed up or weren't properly in that headspace.
0: That's interesting because I do think like the way you're describing it makes sense to me within the context of the film, especially just because there's so much of the film. She has this, I mean, obviously she's like a submissive character and there's just such a willingness to be not necessarily manipulated, but like, to be engaged with in that kind of play that like like someone like me would be like you know inherently hesitant to like jump into something that I haven't actually gotten used to and like don't know anything about and like not to say that I'm opposed to it but like it's not something I'm familiar with and there's such a such an interesting chemistry between the two performers that like I think ties directly into what you're saying about like that selflessness.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there's this really interesting build in the film, uh, like the kinds of implements used for impact play, like the fact Mm -hmm. that we're starting out with flogging and then we move to kind of like a hand spanking, then the most intense uh, form of impact play we see, which is single tail whipping uh, in a very light sense is also the one that would hurt the most and would require the most amount of buildup. And you would kind of need to like, I've been single to it before. I think I've, did I should show you. Um, I think I send you pictures of my back
0: after that happened. I believe I have seen them. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> and I was bleeding. And that's the kind of thing I could not do cold and I could not do not in subspace. So the fact that the movie yeah. kind of builds to that is its own interesting structural companion. But that's um, so
0: cool.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great movie I, we're, we're not going to structure these discussions as like is this a good or bad movie i don't think it's super productive but i think yeah it is what we're saying hey is this is a good movie and also if you're interested yeah, i do think
0: it's such a good movie
1: um you can buy it on amazon it's on there right now funny enough so super easy to
0: access as far as these things go we love accessibility to sex uh or not necessarily sex sex films i guess <laughs> <laughs> um is there anything we don't want to do before we do the wrap-up I feel like we pretty much covered everything. Um, I guess I'm very... Like... Again, I think there's so many great images in this movie that like I could talk about individually. I mean, there's just like... There's a razor that comes into play at one point that's just gorgeous. God, that's and so it's just good. like such a... Like, it has such a good sense of foreplay. Even though... Like, technically it's... I mean, it, it all is foreplay and it all isn't foreplay at the same time. But like... Like, I just... I find a lot of films don't always... Like, a lot of films that involve sex don't always know how important the build-up is. And it's like, no, this movie is all goddamn build-up. And yeah. it's so good. um And it's so erotic. And, like, even some of the most, like, possibly absurd images are just... They have an inherent eroticism to them. Like, uh towards the back half, there's this one bit which I we both commented on was just um, there's like a string of pearls being slowly pulled out of a vagina. And it's like, it's one of those moments where like, at first it's It's, like, it's it's like pulling like a, like a scarf out of a clown's sleeve. Yeah. And it's like, it's camp, (laughs) but it's gorgeous. And it's like, it is erotic, but at the same time, it's like, how is this happening? Uh, (laughs) And it's just, I love that it exists in this space where I am, simultaneously questioning it but also kind of turned on by it that's the ideal space to be at all times um so
1: (laughs) (laughs) if you want to uh contact the pod or if you want to follow the podcast on twitter uh we are at for a good time pod uh on twitter we are also at for a good time pod at gmail.com if you want to email us with anything uh if you happen to be the director of this film give us a holler (laughs) say how say whether you liked our podcast uh because we liked your film quite a bit and also i ordered a couple more uh there's, I think, there's one called like skateboard kink freak or something. Ooh. Yeah, it sounds rad.
0: Um, but yeah, I looked her up and I saw one that was called bandaged, which sounded like a mixture of like eyes without a face and just lesbian porn, which is that's made for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, if you want to find me
1: personally, I am on Twitter at spacejamfan. That's my main account. My not safe for work account um,
0: is at enion's girl dick. And what about you, Juan? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Whoa, it's Juanito, W-O-A-H, not W-H-O-A. And you can find my writing at either flamingclassics.com or dimthehouselights.com or Miami New Times or some other places that I write for. <laughs> Rad.
1: So, uh, until next time, we've been for a good time. Thanks for calling.